Hi, I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Hello and welcome. This is episode seven of season two of Understanding dun, 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 Jesus. Hey, everyone. <laughs> we are here. The Musketeers, the Amigos, we're all, we're all the Stooges, we're all here. In season two. In, in season and out of season. Wow. Ready yeah. to go to spit some it's Bible exciting. at you. It is exciting. <laughs> we Last week it was me alone. The snow has melted. Uh, Daniel and Josh feel safe driving again. <laughs> And uh, and so they're here, and uh, and so we are we're ready to get underway. Uh, this is a we. Um, everybody was reading, even though they were snowed in. In fact, I hope everybody had a chance to catch up since they had uh, some. Dude, snow I'm days. well into the August reading. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow, that. But you're still you're still behind from last year, probably. Absolutely. <laughs> I actually got behind this week. So uh, Ooh. that's right. Yeah. Ah uh, well. Who who's going to tell? one day. So anyway, today, and we are we are looking at the end of Exodus. We are concluding the book of Exodus and moving into everyone's favorite book, Leviticus. Oh, if you boy, could just yes. feel people stopping their Bible reading plan <laughs> as they get their Leviticus, this is I, it, you a, could, a million Bible pages <laughs> cried out in horror. <laughs> but uh, we also go through some of the, the some really good Psalms uh, in this yeah, stretch, yes. and some of the best Psalms actually. Some good coffee mug uh, and, Psalms and Proverbs <laughs> exactly, Proverbs eight nine, and also um, Matthew twenty seven, and we get then we finish out Matthew, which is the end of Matthew is. is is amazing, and uh, and then we get into the beginning of Mark, which is also amazing. So, um, so anyway, some really great, solid reading this week. So if you if you got bogged down on Leviticus, that's why I like the reading plan, is because you've got some really good Psalm, Proverbs, and New Testament reading. Yeah, so so we're gonna we're gonna take a look and see what God said to us through the Word when we return. All right, we are back from this short break, and we are ready to talk about what we read in the Bible this week. So I hope you've done the reading. If not, yes, then this is kind of like the Cliff Notes this version is the Cliff of Notes. your Bible reading. You really should impress read your the, friends with what Daniel thought about the Bible reading. Say, hey, did you read this section? And they just quote Daniel word for word. I just want to throw in some incorrect information so they look like idiots if that ever happens. <laughs> I do that with podcasts I listen to. I'm like, oh my gosh, guys, guess what I learned this week? And then I like. Reiterate what Jim Mulkin or Matt Chandler said. I'm like, wow. Wow. Yeah, you feel so, so smart. Good. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Well, who wants to go first today? Uh, we, we didn't decide. We didn't really we talk about go it. First, no, that's awkward. I think um, we should make Daniel go first. He hasn't gone first in a while. I think that's true. I, I think the first would be last, though. Yeah. Then that's well, then true. I would love to go the first. The last no, should be first. <laughs> that would be you. So. Yeah. Yeah, All right, Daniel. I can go. I can go. It's fine. <laughs> um, I'll start in uh, Leviticus, everyone's favorite. We've As as forementioned, um Leviticus is everyone's favorite book, and I, I honestly, I think when people say they like Leviticus, it's just a theory, but I think what they mean is they like the end of, Le- like, having read Leviticus, because mm-hmm. the act yeah. of reading it is less fun, but knowing the information in Leviticus I is think, better. I think, though, I think I got an alternative theory to that. Uh-huh. I think they, ex- because everybody talks about how horrible it is and how much it drags, I think people are like, I'm going to read it, I'm going to make myself, and they actually find... There are some pretty cool things. There are in actually good things. There are moments. Yeah. There are moments of cool moments. I'm going to compare it to Star Wars Episode Eight mm. uh, in that, uh, as a whole, did not care for it. But there were some really but amazing there were moments. Good moments. There were good That's moments. That's a great analogy. Yeah. So Leviticus um, Episode Eight. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, I'm going to be in Leviticus Episode Six ish um, for the Chapter Six, but Episode Six. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Uh, Return of the. Of the, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Return of the goat of boiled the in his mother's goat. milk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, that's a Leviticus joke, which you'd understand if you were re- doing the Bible reading. Um, I was going to say the entrance of idolatry. Of idolatry. idolatry. But it's not really the entrance, <laughs> but like... In rare form today. Um, <laughs> Sorry. So, um, 
I was going to talk about Aaron, um, and and not so much like you know the chapter six is kind of like the inauguration mm-hmm. of Aaron, and and that's act- I th- I saw the heading and I was like this might be cool. It wasn't. It wasn't that cool. Um, but what I did notice throughout, I mean, just the first quarter of Leviticus that we've read so far is that um, Aaron, in my mind, like last we left him, he was gathering gold from the Israelites at the bottom of Mount Sinai and making a golden calf and mm. being kind of the worst ever yes. and uh, kind of this major villain at the moment of, of Israelites' time. And he d- doesn't really have any really solid moments in yeah. in his life. And here he is being set up as like the high priest mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Israel. And and that just struck me kind of, um, kind of great, kind of confusing in a way that God is consistently confusing in this same way is in that he always takes people who don't deserve it and he makes much of them for his glory for his glory and 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 it's encouraging to me because Aaron was really this horrible guy and I feel like this horrible guy sometimes um, and God uses people who have done the worst sins to do the greatest good um, I also think it's it's interesting how um, how his sons um, mm. uh, f- fail to worship, fail to offer worship in the way that they were supposed to. Um, God is just now laying out the rules, and somehow we're not really given the how. But his sons, two of his sons, offer it's called strange fire, and um, they give they they do it wrong. And anyway, God God kills them on the spot, and um, Aaron is just silent through mm. the whole thing, and he's made to stay silent, and he's like really put in his place. <laughs> because of what his sons did. Um, and I'm reading this and I'm thinking what my reaction would be. And I would be livid if my mm. sons did something, first of all, that I basically had done previous, I had done worse than what my sons had done. And God had elevated me and he killed my kids. Mm. And so it just says Aaron was silent through it all. And mm. I'm thinking this guy's fuming, but he also has to have some kind of thing going on in his head of how gracious God's been to him and how, man, so it's just, it's like this. I don't know if this is making sense, but it's like this dichotomy of where Aaron's at in this moment. His sons have just been killed. He's been told not to mourn them, um, but but this is almost as if God is saying, Aaron, you, I've given you a lot of grace here. I've I've ex, I've exalted you to this position. I I have given you grace fully, but I'm not ignorant of places that you're weak in. I'm not ignorant of your struggles and how you are prone to offer worship poorly. Right. And you've led your kids now into this. Um, and so it's almost as if um, this, you know, it says God disciplines those that he that He loves, uh, right? So like it's it's almost this reminder for Aaron. And I'm not saying the, the God didn't do, like the sons didn't deserve it on their own merit. But I think in Aaron's relationship with God in this moment, I think this is a like, hey, just take notice of what you're doing and yeah. what you're leading your kids into, and what they're what they've seen their father do. Um, and this is a this is something you need to notice that you you are in this position, and you need to take it seriously what you're doing. Hmm. Um, so um, anyway, I, I I just I I feel for Aaron in this. Um, I I see his his sin that he is coming out of and trying to grow as as any follower of God is, and God. Um, God doing what he does, giving grace and restraining and dealing with sin, all wrapped up in this one guy's life. So anyway, I just thought that was, that's what stuck out to me in Leviticus. That's all I got. Cool, 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 that, cool, cool. that area. Well, I'm also going to look at Leviticus nice. uh, and follow up right, basically on what you were talking about. Mm. Uh, but this is from Leviticus 4, 27 and 28. He says, now, if any of the common people sins unintentionally by violating one of the Lord's commands, does what is prohibited, and incurs guilt, or if someone informs him about the sin he has committed, then he is to bring an unblemished female goat as his offering for the sin that he has committed. He is to lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it at the place of the burnt offering. Then the priest is to take some of his blood with his finger and apply it to the horns of the altar of burnt offering. He is to pour out the rest of its blood at the base of its of the altar. He is to remove all its fat, just as the fat is removed from the fellowship sacrifice. The priest is to burn it on the altar as a pleasing aroma to the Lord in the way the priest will make atonement on his behalf, and he will be forgiven. Now, this is in the midst of... This is what you do for a, a ruler who sins. This is what you do for uh, this particular community when they sin. And so forth. just a variety of different ways to atone for the sins of people. 
But one of the things that stuck out to me is how, when you read through this, how there's how we realize that there's so little appreciation for how holy God is, mm-hmm. and uh, and we think in terms of doing our best, and we try our best and do and try really hard. If we try really hard and do our best, then we should be rewarded for that. Right. And and we think from a parent's perspective of hey, that God's our parent in heaven. And so he looks down at us. He sees us trying real hard. And so if we try really hard, then he's like, you know what? You, you didn't do great, but you did really, you, you did your best. I could see that you're really trying. And then you see in the midst of uh, these passages, and, and I want to look them all up, but even people with physical deformities, people with physical limitations, there has to be an atonement for that. And you're like, wait a second. They didn't. They didn't do that. That's not something they did to themselves. And some people aren't even allowed to participate in this sacrifice. You know, they're considered not even able to approach the throne of God uh, as a result of these physical problems. And it's like, that, what kind of God does that? And and what we're not realizing is, we are not only sinful people. We are people who are in sin, mm-hmm. meaning we, we dwell in a sinful world. We are unclean people in the midst of an unclean people in an unclean world. And and so God is trying to show the whole thing, everything that about us, the way we're even born into this world is flawed. And and so we are, we are immersed in a sinful universe uh, from the moment uh, we, we arrive. And and he's saying all of that has to be dealt with. All of that has to be made right. Uh, and, and so he provides this process of sacrifice and so forth, all looking forward to when Christ does give us the ultimate sacrifice. But here's the thing that's so beautiful about this is that what Jesus does makes all of us worthy to come into the presence of the mm-hmm. Lord. That he he gives us holiness that we cannot manufacture on our own, that we cannot create on our own. Uh, we there's a sacrifice of blood uh, that's required whether we've ever sinned, or whether we do it, or whether we don't do it, whether we know it's sinful or whether we don't know it's sinful. Uh, so Jesus has to resolve that sin problem, no matter how noble our hearts are, no matter how good we think we are, no matter how perfect we think we are, no matter how, you know, if you come out unblemished and you have perfect hair and you got perfect skin and you got perfect everything, you're still before God, you are flawed. And Jesus has to uh, pay for that or, or make a way for us to be made holy because my fallen, my fallible mind is going to deceive me no matter what, and cause me to sin unintentionally. I'm, I'm going to try as hard as I can to do the right thing and get all my ducks in a row and think I understand Scripture completely and read that verse a thousand times and said everything like I think it needs to be done perfectly in order to do it the right way, and I'm still going to mess it up. Mm-hmm. And, and God knows this, so he did not leave it. We've always been trying. We try so hard. You look. It's easy to look at other people and say, how did they get off of the path? How did they, why are they believing this fallacy or why are they, why did they mess it? Why is their theology so messed up now? And why are they thinking these things? This because we have fallen minds. And if you don't think you're capable of becoming like that, you are. That's why you don't lean on your own understanding. Uh, we trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Uh, and, and so that's, that's where our faith needs to be. That's where our holiness, um, comes from. Uh, and because Jesus shed his blood, now all of us, no matter what we look like, no matter what we came from, no matter who our parents are, no matter what we've done wrong, what we've done right, all of us now have access to worship God. What's crazy is we don't take advantage of it. Now, because of this amazing sacrifice that Christ has made and gives us the ability to come into the presence of God to worship him, how so often we have the opportunity to worship, yet we do not take advantage of the opportunity to worship or worship other things. And we get drawn into other things. I, I think going back to what Daniel was talking about with uh, the sons of Nadab and Abihu, the, uh, the uh, sons of, of Aaron. Aaron, thank you, uh, <laughs> offering profane fire, you know, and we're not sure all the dynamic of that, but whether they went into the Holy of Holies, whether they took it from the fire from a different source, it just showed that they didn't have the reverence. For, they just wanted to worship on their own terms. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, we, and that's what people think of today. They come to God on their own terms. We can't come to God on our own terms. On our own terms, we can't even access him. We can't get close mm-hmm. to him. All we're worthy of is death. The only terms we can come to him through is Jesus Christ. 
And at this time, there was he was giving specific instructions on do this, do this, do this, this. But thank God we live in a time when the instruction is much easier. It's come through Christ. But even in the simplicity of that, we still struggle to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we want to offer profane fire before the Lord. But anyway, so. I just wanted to comment on something. You, you were talking about holiness and how, you know, um, God is holy. Um, and I just wanted to mention, I love the tabernacle. It's probably one of my favorite pictures in the Bible of mm. God's holiness. And so we have the courtyard, which is like the holy area. And mm. then you have the middle, like right as you enter the tabernacle, the holy of holies. Mm. And then the holiest of holies, which is why we you know, why we call God holy, 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 You know, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. But then you go on and you realize, oh, wait, there's only one person allowed to enter the holiest of holies. And then when we meet Jesus, he dies on the cross, the veil rips. And now we, um, people who are covered in his blood, are allowed to enter that place that was so, mm. you know, off limits because of his holiness. But now with his blood covering us, we are considered holy and so we yeah. can enter that place. So well, I just had to say that. <laughs> well, and not, and not that we, it's not even us entering that place. Mm. It's that, that we are, we dwell in that place. Mm. I mean, the, the spirit, the Shekinah glory of God, the spirit of God that dwelt inside the Holy of Holies above yeah. the mercy seat of God now dwells yeah. within us. And he made us that holy so that we could be, and he is the high priest who interacts with us mm. uh, in that Holy of Holies. So we literally have become the temple of God. Wow. Makes tabernacle even better. Yeah. Oh, I just love it. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So, I, although I, you know, I look at each of us and I, I don't think Holy of Holies when I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking it's more right. guilt offering. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Well, um, I'm actually going to start in Proverbs. I know I said I was going to do Mark, but I'll, I'll do Proverbs first. Um, Proverbs 8, um, if you guys tuned in last week, um, Troy talked about what Proverbs 8 um, was speaking to me, what, what what jumped off the page to me. And so Proverbs 8, again, is just really um, hit home for me this week. And so um, Proverbs 8, 34 and 35 says this, Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors, for whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. And I love this imagery here. Um, we can just, I, I just imagine a kid waiting outside, you know, these massive gates to watch whatever happens on the inside of the city or, or what's coming through the gates or, you know, that kind of stuff. I just this eager want to know God and to learn about him. Um, and so while I was reading this, I was like, man, am I eager for God like that? Like, do I just, just want to see what's going to happen today? Like, mm-hmm. is, is that how I am? And, and I realized, no, I'm not with God all the time, but I am, however, eager about things on this earth. Um, so WandaVision, um, I know that us two or us three watch that show. Um, and if you guys watch that show, um, you understand that it comes out every Friday and the episode before really just leaves you with a cliffhanger and it's very intense. Um, I know that we all three, again, we just love the Marvel universe. Like we just have watched, almost all the movies uh, and it's been building up for the past, you know, decade basically. Um, and so we're, we're watching it continue to unfold. And so every week after I watched the episode um, that I've been eager for all week, I immediately am eager for the next Friday for it to come out. Um, because I know that the episode is going to be good. I know it's mm. going to be something that is like filling my emotions and it's making me excited. And like, so I'm very eager right, right now today is, um, Wednesday when we're, we're recording this and I have been waiting for already, you know, four, three, four days for the next episode of WandaVision to come out. Cause I'm so eager to see what Wanda's going to do, what Monica's going to do, what all these characters are going to do in this storyline. And I'm so eager for it. So <laughs> I was convicted by it. Cause I'm like, man, I'm really not like this with God. Like I really am not eager to spend time with him when I wake up in the morning or when I'm going to bed at night or um, when I'm in his word or maybe when I'm just in my day alone in my office. Yeah. I, I'm just not eagerly expecting God to do anything. I'm, I'm not that child waiting outside these city gates to watch what's happening in the city, you know. And um, so why am I not eager like this, like I am with WandaVision? Because every time we meet God, um, we always know it's going to be something good. And we see this here in verse mm. 35. It says, for whoever finds me finds life. And it's like... Yeah, WandaVision isn't giving me life, um, but spending time with God gives me life. And this is what we all desire. We desire to have life. Um, And so anyway, yeah, convicting, but also just like a good reminder, like this child, like this eagerness to be with God, because anytime anytime you meet with him, it's going to be good and life-giving. So yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. We take it for granted. Mm-hmm. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And yeah, I don't, I mean, I have the same, some, I mean, so often I have the same reaction to God's word as I would a great show. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just that um, it scratches one itch. Yeah. And the other scratches the other. Mm-hmm. And my flesh likes the other. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and yeah. so, anyway. Yeah, and, and also the thing about television is it does... Um, it uh, it creates images for you, mm-hmm. and it's like a, it's like being fed sugar. Yeah, you know, right. it's it's sweet right. to taste. It, it pleases the right. senses, mm-hmm. and and we don't have to do anything uh, to. Whereas a lot of times with the Word of God, there's some effort that has to be right. put mm-hmm. forth, and uh, and and we are drawn to the past. I mean, think about it. The passages that we get most excited about, we're talking about, uh, are the ones we don't have to dig very deep. Yeah, it's just right. kind of like boom, wow. Oh wow, the, the, the walls of Jericho. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. How about that? It's really right. cool. And we love right. those stories, David and Goliath, and, and so forth. Those are great moments. Moments and mm-hmm. and but they don't but you know when you you're not gonna get that one <laughs> when you know, Leviticus is on the calendar you're like mm, it's not gonna be like yeah. that today but uh, but it is the uh, uh, but that's I mean obviously the more meaningful things are the mm-hmm. ones we do have to to dig into I you know I liken it to I don't know if you watch movies over and over again. But the movies I watch over and over again are not the deep movies. Mm-hmm. They're the shallow ones, the right. ones that are just easy. They're just they're just brain candy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and the ones, but that doesn't mean I like the other movies less. It's just a, such a deep, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's a, a soul wrenching yeah. thing. Like the Passion of the Christ, one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing how emotional that mm-hmm. movie is uh, and how well it was done. It's in a different language, which always boggles my mind because uh, I didn't even realize that when I watched it the first time because <laughs> because there's so much that's just so just, familiar. Yeah. But I, I don't, I mean, it's a very, very rare thing for me to watch that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't, I was like, hey guys, let's watch The Passion yeah. tonight, you know, for well, fun. Well, and that's the thing with the Bible is that it is filled with stories like that, like, yeah. you know, the walls of Jericho and all that, all that good, yeah. crazy looking stuff that is happening. But you just have to understand what's going on. You, you, we're, we're putting ourselves of like, Oh, look at like, we just like put ourselves away from that. We separate ourselves. We don't look at what's happening yeah. to Israel in the time. And it's like, we, we can do that. It takes work. But when you do that, when you understand this storyline is about God and his people, yeah. um, and understanding this is about God's character and you put yourself into, okay, they just escaped Egypt. Um, and now God has, is making them build this tabernacle. And now he's giving them the law of how to be righteous and holy yeah. like him. You can put yourself, well, not don't put yourself under the story line of the Bible, but you can see it from their perspective yeah. and it becomes this, I mean, just like a novel of you, you oh, whoa, I'm involved in this story. That's so yeah. cool. And we just, we don't put the work in to do yeah. that. But and it's also escapism. Yes. One, yeah. one, I can escape in and go into some alternative. Mm-hmm. It's not my reality. And, right. the, and right. the word does not let me escape a lot of times. Right. It brings me into right. a sobering reality. Yes. And I think we, um, we avoid those things. <laughs> yeah. 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 Good. Good word. Cool. Awesome. All right. Um, the last one is from uh, Psalm 22, which um, is a pretty long and not all that uplifting psalm. Speaking of, uh, it's not like the one to follow. It's, uh, yeah. it's not when, the, when the worship leader wrote up song, we're going to sing Psalm 22. It's like, oh, oh great. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so because of its length and dearth, I probably won't um, – won't read it all the way through, but basically David is writing this, and um, and this isn't uncommon for David, but he's just got a lot of problems that he's dealing with, and um, he's just got this, I mean, the first first line, is, Jesus quotes this on the cross, it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those are, that's mm. the that's the first line in the psalm. Great why are way you to start. Huh? <laughs> yeah, really good. This, yeah. Is, this is going to go really great. Um, and, and my heading on Psalm 22 says, from suffering to praise. So I'm reading through it, and I'm um, seeing a lot of suffering, and I'm seeing a lot of suffering, and I'm, he's just, he thinks God's abandoned him, mm-hmm. and and has, something's, he, he just is disconnected somehow, and he's, mm-hmm. he's confused, he doesn't know why, um, and then nothing in his circumstance changes, but in verse 22, it says, I will proclaim your name to my brothers, I will praise you in the congregation, and then for the next, I don't know, nine verses, he's just talking about how he's going to glorify God, and um and this, uh, and and my 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 thoughts on this aren't super well developed because I'm kind of in the middle of it still. Mm-hmm. So ask me next week. But um, <laughs> but I'm I I, don't, I mean I'm, I'm I'm pretty open about it. Um, I don't say it all the time, but I'm um, I, I I have like real mild seasonal depression that I deal with. Um, and and uh, 
And I'm just kind of, I don't know if that's what I'm in right now, but I'm just in this real low point, really low point, and I'm feeling all these th- same things that mm-hmm. David is asking God, like, why, why have you abandoned me? Mm-hmm. You know, like, no, no, we don't have, I mean, um, it doesn't say in any of my contextual references here why, like, what was going on in David's life. Maybe Saul was chasing him or something. I don't know, but, like, we're not given that. But David just feels, like, randomly disconnected and, and really like he's on his own. Huh. And and his circumstance, what got me just is that his circumstances don't change. They're not taken mm-hmm. away from him. Huh. He just makes a shift in the narrative. He changes the story to, well... I'm here, so I'm I'm just gonna praise you, I guess, and I'm just gonna go with it, and mm. um, and I think that's that's I mean that hit me personally this week, um, really really strongly, and um, and I think that's that's good for us just as as Christians in general, whether or not you know you have anything significant going on, maybe you're just down mm. for whatever reason, but um, maybe something happens, but either way, like this, you, you have very little ability to change your circumstances um, so much of the time, but you can change the narrative any, any second that you Mm -hmm. want. I mean, this is in the middle of the chapter and David's shifts from my life's horrible. God, have you forgotten me? Have you going to let me just die now to God? I'm going to proclaim your greatness to everyone Mm -hmm. who walks by. Right. And there's nothing, I mean, so Sometimes I think that's that's harder to do, um, and I feel like probably David penning this psalm, it was probably not um, the easiest sentence mm-hmm. to write for him, um, but but he did it. I mean, it's an act of faith and it's an act of grace from God um, when when you have that. But but I, I think it's it's good for us to be looking for those moments because God says that He's not going to allow us to be tempted further than um, we can overcome, right? Um, and that's. That's not to say he won't let circumstances overwhelm us, because that's when we lean into his presence. Um, right. But, um, but anyway, anyway, yeah. like I said, it's not super well parcelled through yet because I'm, I'm figuring it out. Uh, but <laughs> it's a work uh, in progress. It's a work in progress. I'm a work in progress, um, and I think that. But I think that that there's a point when when the narrative has to change, and that's going to have to just be on you. And mm-hmm. um, there was a Bible teacher that once said that to. Um, that you always need to pay attention to how you want your story to be written and to be thinking about, you know, like when you're deciding uh, how you're getting married, when you're when you're getting thinking about getting married and so forth, you think this is a story I'm going to tell over and over and over again. Is this the narrative that I want that story to have? Mm-hmm. And when you're going through difficult times, it's always good to remind yourself that, you know, if I should die in this or if something should happen, mm-hmm. this story is going to be told over and over yeah, and over again. Right. Is this yeah. the way I want that story to be told? What and how can I? What can I do right now that would give God the greatest glory in this story? You know, what would what would mm-hmm. be the thing that would make Him look? The, the greatest and and this is this may be the final opportunity I have to do that mm. so why would you know how could I do that best that's a that's always something I try to keep in the back of my mind when I'm doing anything is like if somebody were writing the story about this tomorrow you know wh- what are they going to write about me right, you know, how are, right. and, and who's going to get the glory for that uh, and and I certainly have read some really bad stories over the time <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to talk about next week this is yeah. a little precursor but Psalm 26 next week yeah. the end of it is is a great response to what I, mean, I don't I don't know if David necessarily wrote this one he might I have no clue um, but I yes, yes he did so it's a great response we see here I think he wrote the first seventy oh okay yeah. well that's good to know more fun facts but it's a really great um, just closing thought that he has in this time and and I I can't wait to talk about that but anyway if you haven't read the last few verses of Psalm 26. It's a yeah. great follow-up to Psalm 22. It is, and we just we just skirt around Psalm 23. We just like it's like it's no big deal. But yeah. uh, everyone 20, knows everything. Everyone about knows Psalm everything about <laughs> Psalm 23. You know, and and uh, also something that's just you know important about that because it is it is people mm-hmm. are like I don't want to read this at a funeral because everybody always reads it. There's yeah. a reason why everybody always reads it at a funeral right. or at places or at different significant places because it is an incredibly powerful psalm right. of comfort and strength and mm-hmm. and hope and and so forth. So we're, we're not trying to take away from that at all. It is one of, it is the great, it is one of the greatest Psalms for a reason. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so it just becomes very familiar to us, but, but it still has great power though. That's not the one I'm going to focus on. <laughs> uh, the, uh, I am going to, I was going to look at Matthew, but I'm, I'm going to talk about Psalm 25, uh, Ooh, and it was yeah. just, yes, a change of pace. Um, but, uh, in Psalm 25, uh, he says, uh, in verse eight, he says, the Lord is good and upright. 
Uh, therefore, he shows sinners the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the Lord's ways show faithful love and truth to those who keep his covenant and decrees. Lord, for the sake of your name, forgive my iniquity, for it is immense. And then verse 12 says, Who is this person who fears the Lord? He will show him the way he should choose. He will live a good life, and his descendants will inherit the land. The secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he reveals his covenant to them. My eyes are always on the Lord, for he will pull my feet out of the net. You know, I the thing that stuck out to me is how when it, it keeps saying, therefore he shows sinners the way, mm-hmm. Jesus reveals himself to be the way. And uh, and when he's he's referencing back to these passages and saying this is this is the way that a, someone who had sang these psalms would be looking for God what is your way what is the way that you want to show me and then Jesus comes to his disciples who would be familiar with these songs of praise uh, and says I am I am the way uh, the one that you've been looking for this direction that you've been looking for in life and when we humble ourselves before Him and we fear the Lord um, well He reveals to us. Who Jesus is. Jesus is the one who establishes a new covenant between God and man, uh, a covenant in the blood of Christ. He's uh, when I give him my life and he grants me eternity. He it, it's an eternity of servitude. I'm I'm saying to God, I'm willing. I'm I so much love you and so much want the life that you have to give to me. I'm willing to serve you for all eternity in order to receive it and believing that he is worthy of that servitude, uh, which is why the world rejects him. The world does not see him as worthy of servitude. The world does not think of itself as being, does not want to be enslaved by God. Um, Doesn't want, whether it's a slave of righteousness or not, they don't have any desire to serve a king. They want to be a king. And and one of the, the lies and deceptions and the deceitfulness of even the country that we're in is that we give this idea that that if you work hard enough, you can be king of your own life, king of your own hill. Uh, and, and that's what people are seeking after. And yet God comes and says, no, I am your king. I am the one. I am your God. I am your Lord. I, I, I'm I'm inviting you to enjoy the riches of my kingdom. But if you're your own king, then you create your own hell. And, uh, and I'm I'm. When I'm your king, I create heaven. Uh, God's the one who conceived of heaven. We can't. We we think we can conceive of heaven, but we can't. It all, it always goes wrong. We we have this idea. We think, oh, this would be perfect if we did this, 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 and this, this. Oh, that would be so amazing. But it's never that way because we're not uh, capable of doing it. But God is our. He's our benevolent God, and and Jesus is worthy of my loyalty and worship. And and you know, though He leads us down difficult paths. Every time he takes us down a difficult way, it's only to reveal more of his majesty mm-hmm. and grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of the pain and suffering that we go through is just to show us how great his love is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people are like, why did God allow sin into the world? If we did not have sin, we would not know grace. Mm-hmm. If we mm-hmm. did, if he did not allow evil, we wouldn't know good. We wouldn't know if we didn't have hate, we wouldn't know love. And um, and so uh, we have to trust that he. He wanted us to experience something that he knows. He created us in his image, and he wanted us to know love as he knows love. Mm-hmm. But in order for us, and to know holiness as he knows holiness, but in order for us to know that, there had to be this knowledge of good and evil, mm-hmm. something that we were not prepared for, and something I believe he wanted to introduce to us, something he wanted to teach us. Uh, Satan short-circuited that and and gave and brought men into evil and uh and and they chose evil over good and when given that one option one choice one decision would you choose good over evil they did not they chose evil over good and we've been making that same decision um since that time Uh, and jesus rescues us from that and and so really it is we chose evil and so now we dwell in evil and then jesus comes and basically says now i'm going to give you another opportunity to choose good and he is the good. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. So our choosing him is that rectifying of the wrong choice that was made um, in the garden. So this Psalm 25. Psalm 25, so, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Well, I um, am in Mark 1, um, 35. Um, and this is something that 
every time it comes up in the New Testament, I always talk about it. So as we continue through the New Testament, we come up with these things I will bring it up because it's so it's so rich to me. Um, and it's here's what Mark 135 says. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he being Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Um, and so, like I said, this always sticks out to me um, because we use Jesus as our example of like how to live and because he is the perfection. This is who we want to be like. We're going to be conformed to the image of God, right? And Jesus is the image of the invisible God, which is awesome. And yeah, anyway, so um, we want to be like him. Um, and so we see Jesus here just being with God, just being in his presence, just being away from life, being away from his friends, being away from the disciples and just being with him. And so he's spending this intimate time with God in a desolate place, this place that, you know, is, is not somewhere that you would think is like this glorious, like, um, just like area and beautiful, but it's his desolate. This place is empty basically. Um, and he's just spending time with God. And what did he do there? He prayed. He was in this, this conversation with God, just spending time with him. Um, and I, I love this because these are the favorite moments I've had in my life with God is just this time, whether I'm by myself or with, or if I was with, you know, one other person and we just get away uh, and you, you just, you talk about God or you, you pray and you just spend time with him. Um, and these are, like I said, these are the, the best moments I've, I've had with God. There's just this emotional pull and then just this peace that comes over us as we're, you know, in his presence, we, we're just there. Um, and so to, to pull it back um, to, to, to more scripture right here in Psalm 26, I know I just talked about this and I know it's three verses over what we were supposed to read, but um, it's just, it's so true. Let me get to it. Sorry. Um, it says this in verse eight, Oh Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. And it's like, yes, that is what I love just to, just to be, um, whether I'm talking to him or whether I'm just sitting there or whether I'm just thinking about him, there's just this peace, this glory, this joy that is just, just in you. Um, you don't feel empty. You don't feel like you're in a desolate place. You feel like you're in the presence of him. And every time we see Jesus go spend time with God, whether it was in the garden of, the Geth- of Gethsemane or here or throughout the Bible, we just see that he does that. And I think that we don't ever, you know, take that for example, just to get away from life and just be so, mm. yeah. Cool. To quote Jesus, um, instilling quiet time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you <laughs> yeah. go. Yes. The first quiet timer. <laughs> All right. All right, we got some questions. Okay, we are back here to talk about you know some questions, which I I just can't believe that anyone had questions over this week's reading. Um, but I, we 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 interviewed uh, vagrants on the street, and um, yeah, it's Leviticus. We got some questions, but People I think people sent some into us. Yeah, we have actually several. Um, so Josh, you've got um, some on hand. Yeah, before we dive into the Old Testament. Uh, I had some people ask some questions. Well, one person, and then I had a question okay, uh, about cool. the New Testament in Mark, um, Mark one. In the actually. New Testament. Yeah. Yes. New Testament, fun stuff. Okay, so Mark one um, is talking about John the Baptist prepares the way, and it's talking about the baptism mm-hmm. of Jesus, which is super cool. Right. Um, but the question um, came up: Where did baptism originate, and were Christians the only ones who did it? Uh, baptism actually predates Christ, um, and it was a it became a ritual, I think they think the, like the Essenes back in like 100 BC or somewhere in there, mm-hmm. but uh, what was, uh, the idea was it was a, uh, a ritual where it demonstrated repentance, uh, you know, that uh, you are filthy, and so you go into the water, you come out clean, mm-hmm. and so forth, uh, like, a, like a ritual washing that was kind of expanded to baptism. So this was not a new thing when John the Baptist came up on the scene. What made John the Baptist unique in that in this call to repentance, as he was, uh, is are the things that he was associating with it, that he was saying the Messiah is coming. We need to be preparing for the Messiah coming, and so he was using baptism as a means of of repentance of 
of sin, uh, to walk in uh, a newness of life. The Pharisees were already on board with this, uh, which is why Pharisees were drawn to him. But he he wasn't like the Pharisees. And, and what I mean by that is the Pharisees were trying to be holy. Mm-hmm. The idea was mm-hmm. is that if we will be faithful to God, that God will send bless us by sending us the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And so they created this sect of people who they didn't think everybody could be faithful. So it's like this group of people made a covenant. We will be faithful to usher in the Messiah. So this, is, so this teaching is going on now for generations, And so, uh, which were the Pharisees. And so John the Baptist comes on the scene and says, you're close. <laughs> you know, let's get ready. The Messiah is coming. Let's prepare our hearts for his coming so we'll be ready to receive him. Uh, and he was baptizing people to get them ready, but he was like the Pharisees don't see the need for themselves to be baptized because they think, well, we're the guys who are, mm-hmm. yeah, of course, the sinners out here need to be baptized, but mm-hmm. we already are living lives of purity. And he calls out their hypocrisy. Uh, he also calls out the hypocrisy of the king of Israel, which uh, he loses his head over ultimately. But uh, the um, but th- that's the idea is, that, yeah, the baptism. When Jesus comes, though, uh, something very unique happens in that uh, Jesus and J- John says, I'm not worthy to baptize you. You don't need to be baptized. Obviously, you're the lamb of God, the one who takes away the sins of the world. Why would you need to be baptized? And he says, I want, this needs to be done. And so Jesus began, Jesus changes baptism uh, and the meaning that it had. Very similar to the way he changed the, uh, the Passover meal and the meaning of the cup and the meaning of the bread uh, at the Lord's Supper. Uh, he changes baptism to be an initiation of his now life in the spirit. Mm-hmm. And so then so as we are commanded to go out and baptize people in the name of Christ, it's to show now I am a follower of Jesus Christ, one who's indwelled by the power of the Holy Spirit and walking in the steps that Jesus walks. In. Cool. Yeah. Cool. The other question um, is coming from me, and I have no clue the answer to this question. Usually I ask mm. you stuff that I just want clarity on, but this one I have absolutely no clue, which Ooh. is fun. Uh, uh, Mark one twenty two says, and they, it's the people of like Capernaum, Capernaum or Capernaum. however you say. Yep, that's it. So the question is, how do you pronounce? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's actually, what's funny is, is that Capernaum is actually Koffer Nahum, which oh. means the town, the village of Nahum. Oh, well, that's huh. pretty cool. Yeah, we've changed it to Capernaum. Well, that was the question. The answer. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Thanks no. again for listening to our <laughs> podcast. Yeah. No, um, so verse 22 says, And they were astonished at his teaching, for he, being Jesus, taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And so, mm. Troy, um, how did the scribes teach, and how was their message different from Jesus's? Because I knew Jesus you know, was bringing this good news called the gospel, but... Well, What's we different? they fell into a trap that we fall into a lot of times, and that thinking that uh, truth is not knowable, and mm. and so they would uh, they were very they were there were all types of teachers of, of the law, and so these scribes were people who studied obviously studied the text and knew it well, and and, mm. and also the ones who copied it, uh, printed the scrolls and so forth. Uh, they. Uh, so, but in doing this, there were all types of arguments. Uh, I follow this line of thought, and I follow this line of thought, and I follow this line of thought, and so forth. And it's like, and so it was very much like lawyers do today with the law that we have. Mm-hmm. It's like that, you know. It's like that's why we go to court because it's like, well, I think the law says this, and it's like, I think the law says this, and you argue about it. A group of people votes one way or the other, and then boom, there we go. We have a Supreme Court that then interprets mm-hmm. you know, these laws and so forth. They were using the Word of God in the same way. But uh, when Jesus came, he when he says he taught, he taught as though he knew more than all of these Bible mm-hmm. teachers. Okay. And he would say, this is what it means. Nobody would say, this is what it means. I mean, they would say, well, this person says this, mm-hmm. and this person says this, and this, and if you fault this line of reasoning. But he came and said, nope says that you've heard this i say this and it's like what <laughs> you know it's like oh my yeah. well, you say what who are you to say this yeah. and so then he because that's a great question well who are you who gives you the right mm-hmm. to say that he says well i'm the guy that makes blind people see and lame people walk right. who are you uh and so i raise people from the dead mm-hmm. and so he does these miracles because if you think about it what would really be the purpose of a miracle i mean because he's not going to heal everybody yeah the purpose was not to show that I can make a blind person see, but to show that I have the power of God within me, that I am a prophet, a real prophet. Uh, he, Jesus demonstrates through his ministry that, he's, that he is not just a prophet, he is the prophet. Mm-hmm. That he is not just a king, he is the king. He is not just a priest, he is the priest. And, uh, and so these things all demonstrate his authority 
to establish these things. Uh, or and and so the things he's and and they're learning this. We look back and it's like, uh, hopefully, post-resurrection, post-giving of the Holy Spirit, surely we recognize he is the authority. Mm-hmm. He is, says, all authority has been given to me. Uh, and, and so we recognize whatever he said is literally right. the word of God. Um, and so uh, that's, and really, if you think about the Bible, the reason why we believe the Bible is because Jesus affirms the Bible. Right. Uh, he is the one who affirmed the Old Testament that we have. And so we, we take it as it is. Uh, he is the one who affirmed the apostles. And so that's why we look for an apostolic link to, because uh, uh, the rule of the apostle was it would had to be somebody who was under the teaching of Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, had to be called by Jesus himself. Uh, Paul kind of gets into the wire because a special appearance from Jesus, special calling, but that still makes him an apostle. Mm-hmm. And so his words then are then uh, accredited by Christ uh, himself. So, cool. anyway, yeah. That's it. That's all I got. Cool. All right. All we right. have a few more that were sent in, right? I had, uh, yeah, well, this was from last week's reading, but we didn't get to it. I got, got the question a little bit after the podcast was over. But the um, it's from Exodus chapter 22, uh, verse 29. He says, you must not hold back offerings from your harvest or your vats. Give me the firstborn of your sons. Mm-hmm. Do the same with your cattle and your flock. Let them stay with their mothers for seven days. But on the eighth day, you are to give them. Uh, to me, uh, and it's to be my holy people. Uh, the and the question was, what 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 does that mean? Give me your firstborn. Uh, doesn't mean to sacrifice your firstborn actually uh, uh, totally. But when Jesus <laughs> called them, <laughs> why do we distance ourselves real far from that? <laughs> yeah, that's right. We are not into that at all. Uh, the um, <laughs> I was kind gonna of. say I was gonna say these churches down the street do that. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the, <laughs> no, no, don't name names. The um, no the when the Israelites were called out of Egypt, uh, remember in the Passover, uh, the firstborn were killed by the angel of death. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so God told the Israelites, because I've preserved your firstborns there to be consecrated for me, meaning set apart uh, for my purpose, for, for what I want. So that there was a, a preferred status given to the firstborn. And, and so birthrights and blessings would be handed down. Uh, it was an odd thing uh, because in in the genealogy of Christ, you have Jacob, who was not a firstborn. Uh, you have, in fact, you have a variety of times when it is not the firstborn who is the the consecrated one or whatever, or the blessed one. Um, in fact, Jacob stole it uh, to to may add insult to injury, uh, lied, deceived uh, to get it. Uh, but the uh, but the idea is still the same that that it is uh, according to God's law that uh, that first firstborn of cattle birth firstborn of your flock these are all to be consecrated set apart made holy now in Christ uh, it is not just the firstborn he is the firstborn uh, and he is made holy and he shares that holiness with all of us and so uh, so he is the consecrated one uh, for all of us to share in I've always wanted to know that answer oh, well, always good. how about that nice. it's been the first um, and uh, <laughs> uh, this was a kind of this was a comment uh, that I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it into a question because ooh, it's a good, ooh, it's a good question. Uh, it was just saying that in Leviticus, uh, reading and thinking of animals, fish, birds, insects that we should and shouldn't eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's mostly the same today, with the exception of the swine. Uh, they make pretty tasty barbecue and ribs. But uh, but actually, here's the thing uh, with the animals that are uh, chosen. Uh, that we are not to eat. Either they were service animals that uh, that, that God did not allow them to eat, but there, there's also a practical side that when he talked about fish uh, and 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 the type of fish you can't eat, he says you can only eat fish with scales. You can't eat fish with skin. Uh, you can't eat things like shrimp or lobster or th- things like that. You can't eat uh, and swine. Here are the con- here's the common denominator. All those things eat garbage. <laughs> And so they would eat. Uh, so if you were it just if naturally, I mean, we, we raise uh, hogs now, uh, so they're not just out eating in the wild, but uh, a hog will eat anything uh, unclean and so forth. And so and it's not its body doesn't process that stuff the same way uh, a cow would. Uh, for instance, a cow has four stomachs and, and so it eats that and turns it into energy and so forth. And so that meat's pretty um, good. I mean, and, and what we, we mess it up, uh, if any good nutritionist would tell you by, by trying to make it fatter, uh, to make, so we can kill ourselves at an earlier age. But the, uh, but the idea is, is that God, the way God designed these animals is to, um, take care of impurities and so forth. So if it did eat poison, it wouldn't pass along. Plus, um, 
pigs have uh, that's why you have to cook pork uh, very well because it has a worm that gets inside its muscle and if you eat that worm it will kill you um, well and they also like they don't sweat so there's a lot of toxins stuck yeah. in there yeah so, so there's all types of reasons that they wouldn't have known then uh, that God God knows <laughs> and so he's uh, and the fish, uh, like catfish, for instance, have skin. Catfish are garbage eaters. They're bottom feeders. And so they eat garbage off the bottom of the, the lakes or whatever. And so whatever toxins are there, they have that in their body. Uh, and so, yeah, we mostly grain-fed. Uh, you know, we got to have catfish farms and so forth. So there's not much there to be. But if you go out fishing for catfish in a place where there's toxins at the bottom, then that's not super healthy for you. Uh, God knew that, and so he provided that. The other part of that is not only is there the side protection there is the i'm i want you to be a distinct people and so he there's he's protecting them but it's time at the same time adding a distinction saying this is what makes you holy so the question is should i not eat pork well it is a jewish right it is not uh, what uh, god has not declared it unclean for those of us and so uh, especially for those of us who are gentiles so yeah we are swine eating gentiles here all at the table and so yeah we do love ourselves some good barbecue and ribs and pork but uh, but um, but I, I would suggest making sure it's still cooked well and <laughs> and raised on a farm <laughs> Ignorance don't, is don't go shoot it in the wild and expect good things <laughs> but I um, didn't but know yeah. that and now yeah. I don't want to eat catfish which is one of my favorite fish to eat yeah. and now if it's if it's farm raised catfish know, that's why it's it says, not but, oh okay well there you go <laughs> and, and usually you go places it'll say farm raised catfish or whatever no, yeah. not not where you not not, not that catfish you're eating. Oh, no. uh, good work, good work. Well, now um, I know that I'm yeah. very sick. Um, <laughs> yes, and yeah, so that's it. Cool. Hmm. Cool, All right. Cool. Well, this is a good week. Thanks, guys. It has. It's been fun. Thank you yeah. guys for being back. I was so lonely here <laughs> last week. So <laughs> I tried. And next week we have some a really amazing. We got some more questions in Leviticus. So um, I and and I think some uh, compelling things uh, that are. Uh, that need to be. I, I'm going to. In fact, I've got some questions that have been sent to me. We'll take a little bit of time because there are some. Um, if you didn't think it, I, I'm sure if you read through Leviticus, they stick out to you. But we're going to do some pretty hard questions in Leviticus. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to it. We'll get to it next week. See ya. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast. If you would like more information on Understanding Jesus or First Baptist Church of Jackson or would just like to submit a question or comment, then you can call the church office at 573-243-8415 or you can email us at office at fbcj.us. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon.